0: Good morning, folks, and welcome to my attempt to get back into the swing of things. This is my first day negative. First day not feeling like crap, honestly. And one of my first days with game access in a long time. So (coughs) I'm trying to come up with a real, sustainable, valuable um, podcast schedule. My guess is it'll be two to three times a week, as opposed to daily. More research, better thought out, as opposed to just the, you know, rapid fire, here's the score, here's the score, here's the score, because it's, it's, you know, as interesting as it is for me to see it, y'all can get the gist of that just by looking at the sim sheet. So, it probably won't be that. Today, uh, we'll do the quick introduction of a draft recap series, um... I don't know the frequency. But the thought would be I'll do the top ten today. Maybe knock out ten at a time. Maybe knock out twenty, I don't know. Like maybe just go to, you know, like once a week the more interesting people that have been drafted. Something like that. I don't I don't know. But I wanted to give it a shot. Because one, I've never done it. I've never paid a lot of attention to the draft. I know a lot of you don't either. Maybe not the most interesting. to everyone, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to at least get into it. So let's give it a shot. The draft had some interest and some intrigue right off the bat this year, as the White Sox GM was brand new arrived the day he had to make the pick. As you're all probably aware at this point, Greg, who previously ran the Pirates organization, swapped places with John Hodges, who previously ran the White Sox organization. <coughs> two last place teams at the moment, or I actually mean at the time of the switch, there were two last place teams. Today, the Pirates have climbed out of last place and now sit in fourth place. The White Sox still sit in last place. But Greg's real first job here And the reason he was brought into Chicago, if you're looking at it from a White Sox perspective, was a rebuild. You look at the job he did with the Pittsburgh Pirates, turning them from an absolute train wreck of a franchise, which is precisely what they were before Greg took over. You know, I don't know how much about the Pirates history you're aware of. They were a 52-win team in 2019. Greg takes over in 2020, takes them to 82 wins, takes them to 94 wins the next year in a playoff berth. They slipped back a little bit in front early on. There was some frustration from Greg. He was poached, essentially, from the Pirates to the White Sox, who have been literally to this day. So here's the interesting part, by the way. The Pirates were one of two or three organizations that have never made the playoffs in MLB pro history. Well, he got them there in 2021 and then is poached away, I assume for a very large sum of money, to the south side of Chicago, where... The White Sox have only made the playoffs one time in their history. And that's 2020, and every other year they've had a losing record. Eh, not every other year. 2015 they had a winning record. <laughs> so the two winning records in the 12-year history of MLB Pro. They brought him in to reacclimate or to to reform this team to build them into something that, that looks like what the South Side of Chicago Blues should be. On the flip side, Pittsburgh brings in Jonathan Hodges as Jonathan's been stuck in the American League, and. Say what you will about the, the White Sox history. Injuries have been a big factor here. They believe that John Hodges in the National League can get them to the playoffs and over and over again. So, anyway, the White Sox's first choice here, <coughs> day after he gets into the job, is to make the first pick in the 2022 MLB entry draft. And Greg, it seems Withauser or something. Sorry, Greg. First job is to make the pick. He selects 18 year old Brinton. Hausen, uh, third baseman, out of Amarillo, Texas. If you're not familiar with Amarillo, Texas, there's a song about Amarillo, Texas by, ooh, Jason Aldean? Not a huge country yet, yeah, but I'm pretty sure I nailed that. Amarillo. Listened to it a lot. I went to, to college out of Mobile, Alabama. Heard that song a lot. Um, anyway, Amarillo, Texas unspectacular season for a team that had the top overall pick. Brendan Housen and the Amarillo high school team finished 18 and 10 on the year. Did not make, did not win their division. They made the postseason, but nothing, nothing crazy. Right. Went on there. Um, Brendan Housen, honestly, is an interesting story to be because he is, or was committed to play basketball at Villanova with Jay Wright. (laughs) I don't know if you follow college basketball. Jay Wright retired, kind of surprisingly retired in light of the name, image and likeness. Um, you know the stuff that's going on it's 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 good to see the kids getting played or paid but it, man is it a wild world out there for a coach like Jay Wright you know people like Mike Krzyzewski coach Jay Wright some of the other guys that you're probably going to see retiring over the next little bit I'd say Bill's self but he seems to be doing just fine it's just too much and and he couldn't keep up with the with what it was going to take to recruit these kids so Jay Wright retires in light of that Brendan Housen decommits to Villanova this is all fake he actually stayed committed to Villanova but in our world he's Decommitted to Villanova, has accepted his contract for the White Sox, and the six foot five hundred nineteen pound eighteen year old will be joining the White Sox organization as their presumably top prospect at this point. We see plus power potential here out of Brendan Hausen. We see solid speed potential out of Brendan Hausen. Right, he should be a very very solid, uh, a very very good excuse me third baseman he's got a cannon for an arm across the diamond you know he's he's got good range actually for a third baseman he doesn't turn the double play all that well in the middle so there's not a lot of scouts thinking oh we maybe may move him he, he does the range for shortstop but he just he can't figure out that turn so you wouldn't expect him to move to the middle he's gonna stay at third base um I'm excited to see what he brings Brendan is actually the first third baseman that Greg has drafted in the first couple of rounds He's taken some third baseman in the past, but never this high up. He, his, the third baseman for the Pirates is required by trade. As um, so he went out and grabbed Alec Bohm in a trade from the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> so Brennanhausen is our first overall pick. He was followed immediately by the other team in Chicago, the Cubs. The Cubs have been picking at the top of the draft for a minute. And they went and selected Brock Porter, a surprise to some, but you can see why a player like Porter is taken at the top of the draft. He's a very tall, very long, um, uh, high school pitcher, excuse me, with high velocity, right? Uh, uh, t- very tall as a stretch. He's a one, like I think. But the, the interesting part to me is this kid's an athlete, like through and through. Brock Porter wearing a seven one seven sixty 7'60 yard dash. <coughs> if you were not familiar with how that translates to a more commonly understood uh, speed, like a 40, it's a 4.37 for an 18 year old pitcher. That's pretty dang good, right? Like, not the kind of athleticism I'm typically expecting out of a pitcher. More interestingly, probably, is that he tops out at 97 miles an hour on his fastball. That's up 16 miles an hour since his freshman year. So he started for high school four years ago, which would have been, what, 2018, with an 81 mile an hour fastball over these four years of development, he's gone up 16 miles an hour topping out at 97 miles an hour. He's still only 18 years old. What can he do here? As he gets into the majors and gets better mechanics being taught, he's got a three quarter arm slot, slow arm mechanics, which could lead to some, some base running, sorry, not slow arm mechanics, slow, so um, delivery mechanics, right? Could lead to some base running troubles, uh, and the minors, but I'm sure get it worked out, but his arm comes through the delivery zone so fast and he releases so far down the, that he loses it perfectly, right? That, that, uh, scouts are just loving this pit. Lo- loving his um his his potential here excuse me to just fire that fastball wherever he wants see if he can get his control down it, it, is, it is suspect but you know we'll see um the reports that he's got suspect control at the higher level but honestly he walked fewer per nine than a lot of people that, that were drafted that are being touted as control masters you see a guy like drew scott later on who i think is a, is a huge control guy but that he walked over two batters per night. Well, you know, Blackboard is under two, so we'll see what that says about anything. This is actually the sixth starting pitcher that Justin Jabs has selected in the first round. Um, of those six, Kyle Cody's the gem. There's one other whose name is me Right now, he's a relief pitcher for Houston. <coughs> at the time, There's a couple guys in Double A that you know, Austin Bergner specifically showing some promise down in Double A. But Kyle Cody is really the gem of all the starting pitchers that Justin Jabs has selected in Chicago over his twelve-year tenure uh, as the Cubs GM. So we'll we'll see how that um, uh, develops. Brock Porter selected number two. Third pick overall went to the Tigers. Tigers not expecting to be anywhere near the top of the zone or the draft board here next year as they have big ambitions to make the postseason in 2022. 2021, they did not. And then they will select Tamar Johnson, third overall. Yes, third overall. Tamar Johnson is probably the best pure hitter in the draft a little guy out of my hometown atlanta georgia uh, let's go termon he goes to mays high school down in southwest it's a rough area but they don't historically have a great baseball team but they're very good this year led by Tamar johnson right he is a little guy he's listed 511 in the game he's listed 511 by some scouts realistically or or, or I guess the, the variation here he's been listed as small as 5 8 on some scouting sites but he swings that bat with violence violence think um Oh my goodness. His name is completely escaping me when I the, the second baseman for the Houston Astros. Jose Tuve. Think of that kind of violence when that bat comes through. He's expecting to be somewhere in that 15 to 20 home runs range when he's in the bigs as well. So another comparison to El Tuve, he's just excellent with the bat. He makes credible contact. Um and much like El Tuve, I don't know that he's able to stick at second base, right? He's a good defender. <coughs> There's no question that he has the skills and the desire to stay at shortstop. The problem, I think, is going to be his arm. Does it translate to the big league level? Is it fast enough? Is it got enough speed behind that ball to get some of the faster runners at shortstop? Or do they move him over to second base? He's only 17 years old. He's got plenty of room to develop. Um, so he's, he won't even be 18 for another two weeks. But I think people are expecting him to switch to second base. Now, should he switch to second base, he will be a gold glove caliber defender at that position. They can, he'll be grabbing gold gloves every year the thing I like the most about Tamar Johnson is that he leads with confidence and bravado and excitement. You think about Tim Anderson and how much fun he has brought to the real life Chicago white Sox, not the MLB pro Warriors, the Chicago white Sox. I expect Tamar Johnson, his bits and bites and his, you know, whatever to bring that level of excitement and fun to the Detroit Tigers team, which to me is already one of the more fun teams in the league. Their GM Scott. <coughs> nope, not Scott. It's going to kill me over that one. Uh Jesus. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep calling him Scott. I don't think he's going to care for that. Um, whatever. No, Jim. Jim Melikar is one of the more fun, colorful personalities in our league. So adding that to Mark Johnson on the field really, really values that, right? Gets a student of the game to Mark Johnson is a sky-high ceiling. This the second shortstop taken by Jim in the first 15 rounds during his admittedly short tenure here um, in MLB Pro. But Jamar Johnson, to me, looks like the shortstop, well, technically second baseman of the future for the Tigers. <coughs> Fifth overall pick, fourth overall pick, excuse me, is our first, as far as I can tell, not real player in the universe. That's Jonathan Hausfader. So I'm going to go based off of, um, no, we'll, we'll tell the story anyway. Jonathan Haus, Hausfader is a Bucknell pitcher. Uh, Bucknell has actually administered the Patriot League Championships to face Army in real life. Jonathan Halfstetter uh, is leading the way. If you look at the stats here in the game, he went 12-2 and with sub-2 ERA over 20 starts this year, which I find fascinating considering Bucknell only played 25 games, so he started the majority of Bucknell's games. He's a 6-1 to strikeout to walk ratio. You have to feel good about that if you're looking into the bigs. Even more so, though, you have to feel good about being a pitcher that is selected by Scott. Now, I said Scott earlier and I was wrong. This is really Scott's pick here for the A's. Scott has picked five pitchers. The last five pitchers he selected have all made the big leagues. Mackenzie Gore in 2018 is already on the major leagues with the Mets. Hilton Lee was drafted in 2017. He is in the major leagues. John Bauer in 2016. He's bounced all over the place. I think he's in Minnesota right now. Colby Allard in 2015 is in the major leagues with the Red... Jesus, the Braves, and James Tate is in the Major Leagues with the A's. The last five pitchers he has selected have been in the Majors fairly quickly and have been names that we all recognize (coughs) because they either are top prospects or they're very, very high performers. Housstead is the first one he's taken since 2018 as he's been going offense over the last couple of years. Can this magic continue? We'll see in a couple of years to see if Houswater is another prodigy that Scott has found in the draft. For real now, the fifth pick. Um, goes to the Giants and Jonathan Hines Langston Patterson is drafted as a right fielder if you notice, to we've gone offensive player pitcher offensive player pitcher offensive player that continues through the top 10 um, I haven't done the math to see if it goes all the way through but that's at least been going on so far the last right fielder drafted by Jonathan Hines in the first five rounds was Ed Harris in 2016 and I think Ed Harris has turned all right so again Langston Patterson hoping to replicate some of the past success of, of the drafting um manager here. Langston Patterson is another dual sport athlete. He was actually offered by Vanderbilt's football team and their baseball team when he enrolled in the school. <coughs> Obviously, he has foregone his scholarship offers as he will now play professional baseball for the San Francisco Giants, but he's a big fella and an athlete for sure. He's averaging a home run every other game in the senior season, batting five eighteen, smacking 16 doubles. This dude is a extra base hit absolutely waiting to happen. I love, scouts love, what you keep hearing from the scouts is that he is a combination of contact and power on the corner outfielder. He is not going to be somebody who wows you with the glove. He's not going to make a bunch of errors. He's not going to cause you problems, especially if you got a center fielder to cover his, his inefficiencies. But Langston Patterson To me, is just shy of Tamar Johnson in terms of a fully complete hitter. He will definitely strike out a little more than Tamar Johnson will, but he brings that power that Johnson lacks. And I really, really like Langston Patterson playing out in San Francisco. Let's go to the Reds. Ryan Lentz is a starting pitcher taken by the Reds. (laughs) He is a different brief. This is the first. Well, I say the first because I think uh, Dustin Hofstadter or or Hofstadter or whatever was a college player as well Lentz is the first older college players he's 21 years old he brings a level of certainty so far that we haven't quite seen right he has a further developed his ceiling may be a little bit lower than some of the guys we just mentioned but the floor is certainly much much higher than some of the people we've just talked about Ryan Lentz to me looks like a player drafted by a team who has changed their contention window the Reds a couple of years ago were not they just they just weren't Right? But so far this year, 20 and 21, it doesn't sound like a spectacular record, but 20 and 21 puts them a game back of the Cardinals in the NL Central, a division that just can't seem to figure itself out right now. It will. This is a good division, don't get me wrong. But the Reds are right in the thick of it, and they think, hey, my window may have moved up a couple of years here, as opposed to being 2024, 2025. Maybe it's 2022 and 2023, and Ryan Lance is a guy that can help next year. He may not be an ace but he could certainly be a back half starter, maybe a bullpen piece, depending on where you want to go. The guy boasts five pitches, which he throws effectively all of them with decent movement. I'm interested in that, right? A, a pitcher that throws five pitches and throws them all well makes it very difficult for a hitter to sit there and wait on a fastball because he's got, he can throw five pitches, he can throw four of the pitches, never, number one, to see the fastball, three of them in there for a strike and he struck out without whatever swing the bat. So Ryan Lentz is a guy that I really, really like, not only for that, but I just like his makeup, Right? Lentz is selected uh, a year after Jason Toms, the GM here of the Reds, selected two high school pitchers in the top five rounds. Again, another piece that (coughs) shows you to me uh, the difference here in what he's looking at. Both those pitchers sit in rookie ball. Both still look like good prospects down the line, but a guy like Lentz can help you next year, whereas those two guys aren't going to hit until 24, 25. So I found this pick really interesting just based on maybe what the window is here for the Reds. I got three more I want to get through in the top ten here. Jonathan Berry, second shortstop taken off of the board. He's taken by Rhett Parker and the New York Yankees, who I've beaten them to death at this point. But the Yankees are not contending this year or next year or the year after. So they took a high school shortstop, second one off the board, again, right behind Tamar Johnson. Not quite the all-around hitter Tamar Johnson is, but he's got a great power ceiling. He exceeds power. his power ceiling of Tamar Johnson. I think Jonathan Barry could easily hit 30 home runs, especially in the Bronx. Of course, that's going to necessitate the Yankees keeping him. Now, Rhett seems committed to keeping his younger players around. At this point, we'll see if that changes later on. If, if an offer comes around, he just can't refuse. But he is hopefully going to start seeing his youth develop, uh, youth movement start. The other thing, Barry Sherry's in common with a lot of the Yankees bats today he's going to strike out a ton he's, gonna, he's a, he's a two-true outcomes guy he wants to hit home runs or he's going to strike out right and he struck out six times in his senior year but what scouts tended to notice about him is he's chasing he's chasing outside the zone particularly high and for whatever reason the, nobody in the high school world seemed to figure that out so I think they're expecting when people get better control and when they're going to be scouted and there's so on and so forth that people start to pitch outside of his zones and we'll see if he can adjust and, and start to or stop striking out so much excuse me Yankee's first three or last three first round picks, just to kind of ride my point home. Jonah Gold is down with the Chicago White Sox. Jake Fromm is down in Atlanta. And Brian Owen is down in Cincinnati. Jonathan Barry hopes to be the first first round selection here um, in a while to stay at home in New York and eventually play in the pinstripes. It's interesting that Barry also follows a third-round selection of high school shortstop Alex Mooney from last year. Mooney was well regarded um, when he came out of high school and was was drafted, but he did not break 200 uh, as far as the batting average in rookie ball last year. So I guess the Yankees are hoping that, hey, you know what, maybe he turns it around. We have a, a, a kind of middle infield duo here. They're different skill sets. Mooney's more of a gap, you know, doubles contact kind of guy. And Barry's more of a home run power kind of guy, like I said. But we'll see. They're hoping for a better first campaign out of Jonathan Barry for sure. <coughs> Our last pitcher we'll talk about today is Drew Scott selected by the Baltimore Orioles. He is, again, our fourth pitcher off the board as we have gone back and forth. He's the first lefty taken. Um, and that is Drew Scott here of the Baltimore Orioles. So Scott is the third starting pitcher that GM Drew Hastings is selected with his first overall picks Is thinking over the Orioles. I think he has taken them for four years, three years maybe before. I, I don't know I could be overstepping this. And neither of the other two, Alex Early or Brandon Bonilla, have made it past double A yet. I think... Alex Early is still very well regarded. Bonilla struggled a bit, but I think there's still some hope for him. Um, Scott's a little bit different because he is a control master. Again, you think of these other guys Brock Porter, Jonathan Housefather, and Ryan Lenz. Earl, high velocity, high stuff guys, right? Well, Scott is a dude that's trying to model himself after Greg Maddox. Uh, his numbers at Austin P don't necessarily show what i'm talking about here uh but because his velocity tends to just sit in the low 90s what we found a lot or at least what the scouts were saying was that scott was overthrowing right he he, he sits in the 92 range he was trying to push to 94 to try to impress those radar guns right when he tried to do that his command faltered he was pressing he would fall apart he would struggle a little bit and, throw, and walk some people but when he was really comfortable and the kid was incredible he was mad ass sometimes really trying to hit those corners throwing the pitches where he wanted them i imagine the Orioles pitching staff although not notorious and not historically good will be able to take a guy like Drew Scott calm him down get his worry off the radar gun he's been drafted at this point focus on the control (coughs) and really play to his strengths and if they can do that I love love the potential of Drew Scott here as a left-handed pitcher with that kind of control the question will be can they do this right Finally, the last person we'll talk about today is the Mets selection at number 10, Ben Shul- Shul- Stolzberg. Ben Stolzberg. Um, and we were going to bookend this thing here with another college basketball player, potential superstar here, shirking his commitment and going um, into, you know, the the Major League. Minor leagues. He was committed to play for Creighton. Kid's a four-star prospect. He's a hell of a basketball player. Committed to play for the Creighton Blue Jays. They got a couple transfers in this year, like a lot of high-profile kids. Uh, shoot, think the kid from um, South Dakota State. I think actually we selected Creighton one of the best transfers in, in the league. So Stolzberg says, you know what? I'm not sitting on the bench this year. I'm going pro. And Stolzberg has signed his letter with the Mets. He's the third consecutive outfield, outfielder selected by Bruce Kirsten, which I find very fascinating. He took Heston Kirsten in 2020, the left fielder. He took Denny Allen in 2021, the center fielder. And now he takes Ben Stolzberg in 2022, the right fielder. So he has selected his whole outfield, I guess, uh, over the last couple of years. Stolzberg, possesses an elite gap power. Is he walking extra base hit again? We talked about uh, Langston Patterson being similar to this, right? Stolzberg really, really is. He's got plus speed that is hyping, having a lot of people in uh, Flushing thinking he's a 30 20 guy down the line with 30 home runs, 20 steals. Seems legitimate to me. Ben Stolzberg looks like he could be the real deal, and, and the Mets really do have a nice outfield trio with him, Allen, and Kurstadt. That is the top 10 draft picks. We'll go through the next 10 later on in the week. Um, took a little longer than I thought, so I'll, I'll try, to, try to peel it down a little bit, but that's the top 10 for now. Thanks.